Mothers are usually the backbones of their families. Therefore, losing one can have a ripple effect that feels more like an aftershock. That is a quote taken directly from this week's topic, a discussion of the documentary Aftershock. And I have a disclaimer for you. If you are pregnant, really at any stage, especially in the third trimester, but if you're pregnant, I would just hold off until you've delivered your baby to listen to this, okay? It's just a little bit of a warning. It might just not be the right time for you. And then also there are some spoilers here. So if you haven't watched the documentary and you're planning to, go ahead and watch it first. It's on Hulu. And then tune into the podcast for the discussion, okay? All right, let's get started. to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor. And as usual, I'm so excited that you are joining me today because I love it when we chat and we have, as per usual, so much to talk about. So last week we talked about fibroids. July is Fibroids Awareness Month. And, you know, there's so much to say. We only scratched the surface and I still want you to know that if there's a specific topic that you want to speak more in depth about, let me know and we can do that. But this week, we're kind of focusing on a more current event. I mean, we've been focusing on a lot of current events, okay, (laughs) with you on that. But after seeing some articles about it and receiving various texts from friends about it, I decided to watch the documentary film Aftershock on Hulu. It is from directors Paula Isel, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Tanya Lewis-Lee. The documentary addresses a national health crisis. It follows the stories of two young Black women who died during or shortly after giving birth to their first and second child, respectively. I'm going to tell you, I was really hesitant to watch the documentary right now because I'm in the third trimester of my pregnancy. And as we've already discussed, my last pregnancy or my last delivery was traumatic and I did not know how processing this was going to go. You know, it's a little close for me right now. And I didn't think it was the best time to listen to absorb any more trauma. You know, I have my own. I didn't want to absorb someone else's trauma, although I know these stories are important. But this documentary is timely, and I want to comment on it as you're watching it and you're processing it so we can do it together and we can discuss it in real time as you are processing the events that transpired. And it's interesting because I read an article, which I'm including in the blog as additional reading, from one of the directors, uh, Paula Eiselt, apparently was also pregnant during this film and doing these interviews as she's nine months pregnant and having to do the same thing of kind of compartmentalizing um, her work so that it did not affect her own experience with her pregnancy. So just wanted to note that because I thought it was interesting to read that. But 
As I've mentioned before, my previous podcast, Birthing While Black, despite my occupation as an OBGYN, I recognize that I am first and foremost a black woman. And the data has shown that regardless of my education, regardless of my socioeconomic status, my maternal mortality rate is significantly higher than my non-black peers. Specifically, even as an quote unquote, educated black woman, right? A highly degreed black woman. I still have a 60% higher chance of dying during pregnancy than even my non-educated white peers. So as my due date approaches, I'd be lying if I told you it's not something I'm concerned about. That would be a lie. My first impression of this documentary and This is going to be long. We're really kind of going more in depth about it in this podcast, in the blog. And you know, I always release a companion blog with the podcast and the blog. I think I'm not going to include as much information and just kind of keep it focused on my general thoughts about the documentary. But my first impression was a sense of foreboding. As I watched the credits showing these beautiful black women going about their daily lives, doing the things that pregnant women do, and just being excited about the delivery to come, I saw myself and my friends. I thought of Every pregnancy comment we shared and every seemingly random moment we recorded, never thinking it would be significant, just as Sharmani and Amber had shared, never knowing that they would become memorialized, these moments uh, would become memorialized in their absence. And I watched and I felt like I knew them and I didn't want to see what happened next. As a matter of fact, I almost just hit fast forward, really. And one thing as I continued to watch that struck me initially was the focus on the fathers left behind. It's not something that we're often privy to. These black men who we've been conditioned to think of as absent from the care of their children and support of their partners, these men came together to lend support to one another. We watched them manage single parenthood with small children, a difficult task for anyone, let alone a grieving parent. And we listened in to their support group as one father detailed his experience watching his partner take her last breath, then being forced to give a paternity test before leaving the hospital with their baby. Another mentioned his fear for his daughter. You know, we've seen black women Mothers, wives, sisters speak about the loss of their husbands, partners, sons, brothers. We've seen black women speak about their fears as these black men go out into the world. So watching these men speak and organize, it was something different. You know, it really touched my soul. And I was very happy to see the portrayal of these men, these fathers um, in this documentary, just as I imagine my husband would be as well. After the discussion of the negligence experienced by both uh, Shermani and Amber Rose, I was happy to see the introduction of Harvard OBGYN Neil Shaw to speak about how such a thing could happen. It's so important to speak about racism in medicine because it is real, it's real. He discussed how 
well-intentioned or quote, well-intentioned people can do racist things. And if you remember, we discussed the belief amongst healthcare providers that black people have a higher pain tolerance in the Birthing Well Black podcast a few weeks ago. And this is something that has been perpetuated really for decades. Um, Dr. Shaw also mentioned the VBAC calculator. So VBAC stands for vaginal birth after cesarean section. So we have a VBAC success calculator and it's used uh, by OBGYNs to determine really the best delivery route after a cesarean section. If someone wants the VBAC, you kind of plug in the information and it helps you figure out like how likely are they to have a successful vaginal delivery. And until 2021, race was part of the equation I will tell you, I remember sitting at my office desk performing my own calculations as I prepared for a VBAC with my second pregnancy. And I watched as my calculation percentage increased by almost 20% when I removed my blackness from the equation. And I wondered why? Fortunately, none of my colleagues used this as an opportunity to dissuade me from attempting vaginal delivery. And I went on to have a successful VBAC. That's another story, but I went on to have a successful VBAC. And the documentary also followed a young black couple as they navigated their prenatal care and delivery options. While initially obtaining care from what we can only assume were physicians, because I don't quite remember them saying specifically, but at least it was alluded to that they were getting their care from OBGYNs. The mother-to-be discussed her concerns about the high maternal mortality and morbidity in her state. And she expressed her concern about the level of care that she's uh, been offered, the brief prenatal visits she's had, and just wanting to find someone that she could trust. As she and her partner discussed their concerns, they ultimately decided to seek care at a local birthing center. As a black woman in her third trimester of pregnancy, I identified with this couple. And although I have a very thorough knowledge of obstetrics and I am skilled at navigating the system, I understand that everything is not within my control, despite what I'd like to believe. During this pregnancy, I'm obtaining care from multiple people I do not know and whom I will ultimately need to trust with both my life and the life of my unborn child. And that is overwhelming. Due to the change in the profession and desire for just a better work-life balance, most of us OBs, we're not on call as often as we used to be. And that means we're not covering the hospital and thus labors um, and births as much as we used to. And it translates to not delivering as many of our own patients as we used to. And this is a concern that many of my patients have expressed. And I completely understand. They'll come in and they'll say, after sometimes I'm meeting them for the first time, doing their ultrasound, or I've had a few visits with them, and they'll say, oh, are you going to deliver me? And I would say, no, I'm not actually going to deliver you. I'm part of a larger group. And there's so many people in our group. It's very unlikely that I'll be there. And you know, that's concerning to someone. You want to know who to trust. So watching this couple select a beautiful, beautiful birthing suite for delivery, I too started to wonder, hmm, maybe a birthing center might be right for me, right? But then I remember that I am high risk and the hospital is the best option for me. And we'll talk about that 
a little bit more uh, and a little bit. So patients are seeking prenatal care and birthing options that make them feel more comfortable, such as birthing centers, um, uh, options such as seeing a midwife instead of a physician, and then also having a doula. And I think this is awesome. During and after pregnancy, much support and care is needed, and it requires a multidisciplinary approach. As stated in the documentary, midwifery has been around for centuries, and the goal has been to support and care for women throughout pregnancy, labor, and birth with little intervention. Doulas focus on the support piece, supporting parents during pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. As obstetricians, while we also provide care and support, We manage medical conditions, labor complications, and perform procedures and surgeries when needed beyond uh, the care provided by midwives. So if you're like me, you are also thinking that having a doula, a midwife, and an OBGYN involved in your care is awesome, right? Multiple people to provide various levels of support and care when pregnant women and pregnant people are in need seems like no one would be neglected. And there would be multiple checks and balances for providing evidence-based equitable care catered to the patient's needs and desires. Unfortunately, it's not that easy. With the introduction of the field of obstetrics in the early 20th century, the efforts of white men who were the only doctors at that time to become part of the profession were to the detriment of both midwives and pregnant women. While competing to differentiate themselves from midwives, they introduced interventions, often unnecessary, and on some accounts had higher mortality rates than those of home births. And the relationship between physicians and midwives was tenuous, and some of that still lingers today with members of all three professions making comments about the others. Um, And I'm sure you've heard them and I don't really need to go into it, but I will tell you on Instagram, there is a particular account that constantly like pops up bad mouthing doctors and the care that they provide. And I just think, oh, that's so irresponsible, but that's another conversation. But the lives of black and brown mothers and birthing parents are at stake. So everyone has a role, right? That really seems like a time to come together because we have a common goal. Fortunately, we have standardized obstetrical care, reducing maternal mortality rates significantly. However, as the aftershock documentary mentions, that rate for black women and birthing parents is still too high. The U.S. maternal mortality rate of 17.4 per 100,000 pregnancies ranks last, last overall among industrialized countries. And so you hear people talk about, but your health and care, your health insurance is so expensive. Like, why are we failing mothers? The maternal death rate for black women it's 37.1 per 100,000 pregnancies, is two and a half times the ratio for white women, which is 14.7, and three times the ratio for Hispanic women, which is 11.8. And actually, I've sometimes seen that number quoted as three to four times higher than white women. These statistics are a manifestation of the systemic racism in our country. The same racism that prevents access to adequate health care, promotes food insecurity, creates an increase in chronic medical conditions, leads to increase incarceration, and limits access to excellent education also leads to an increase in mortality. Surprise, 
right? Like, are you really surprised? I know you're not surprised, but somebody might be. How can we improve care for our black and brown mothers and pregnant people? According to one of the midwives featured in the film, midwifery is a way to reconstruct the narrative, demonstrating that childbirth does not have to be this process that's laced in abuse. And that's true. However, like I said before, we all have a role. Studies have consistently shown the positive impact of doulas, leading to significant reductions in cesarean births, instrumental vaginal births, need for oxytocin augmentation, and shortened durations of labor. When more intervention is needed, we as OBGYNs have a role stepping in to provide care consistent with evidence-based medicine and years of obstetrical training. The film concludes by highlighting the, uh, highlighting the activism efforts of those directly impacted by the loss of their loved ones. We see the beginning of a quest to construct a new birthing center to bring additional care to a community in need. We see the voice of, we see and hear the voice of a grieving mother. Um, a grieving mother and reproductive justice advocate amplified to share the injustices and need for organization and improvement of our current system. We see the introduction of the Momnibus Act, sponsored by Representative Lauren Underwood, directing multi-agency efforts to improve maternal health, particularly among racial and ethnic minority groups, veterans, and other vulnerable populations, and addressing maternal health issues related to COVID-19. As these women and their families' stories have been amplified over the past couple of years, we've seen the initiation of maternal mortality panels, committees, and legislation, all to prevent the continued loss of life. And I am thankful that their loss has not been in vain. And I am hopeful that meaningful changes will continue to be made. I mean, our lives and the lives of our children depend on it. Ultimately, I think this documentary is timely and necessary. The messaging didn't upset me because they are sharing their truths. Remember, our truths and our lived experiences shape us. They lead us to make decisions and act accordingly. There are amazing OBGYNs working hard to provide excellent and equitable care. However, this documentary was about the experiences of women who did not receive that care. Rather than a condemnation of our practice as OBGYNs, it's a reminder of the work still needed in our profession and the importance of partnerships with other healthcare providers, such as midwives and support providers, such as doulas. It's true that our patients are sicker and have increased risks, thus requiring more complex care. However, that does not mean that some of these losses were not preventable and that there's not room for significant improvement. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists endorses accredited birthing centers as another birthing option for low-risk patients with uncomplicated term singleton, meaning only one baby, not two or more uh, pregnancies. These centers have also also have partnerships with hospitals nearby should your care need to be escalated. Regarding home births, the data isn't promising. And, you know, I know some people... I, I tell people whenever they're like, oh, I want a home birth. I'm like, look, I am not the one to tell you to get a home birth. I'm just going to be clear with that, uh, clear with you on that. So let's talk about the data. 
A 2020 study reviewing CDC birth and death records from 2010 to 2017 found that the neonatal mortality, so that's basically the death of babies, for U.S. hospital midwife attended births was 3.27 per 10,000 live births. That increased to 13.66 per 10,000 live births for all planned home births and 27.98 per 10,000 live births for unintended, unplanned home births. So basically, neonates were three to four times more likely to die during home birth, regardless of who attended. And if you're one of those people that's like, I still want a home birth, you know, what or who feels very strongly about that, it's not to say that you can't have an uncomplicated home birth. I would never say that. There are plenty of people who have uncomplicated home births, and really it's all fine and dandy until you don't. And so it's just important to talk about the numbers so you are aware of the risk related to that. With that said, I want to close out this podcast by remembering some of these mothers who are remembered every day by those who are close to them. And so we are just going to take a moment to remember them and honor them as well. Shalon Irving, Dr. Shanice Wallace, Shamani Gibson, Amber Rose Isaac, Kira Dixon Johnson, Yolanda Shipra Kadima, Tatia Odin French, Shaija Washington. And with that said, thank you for joining me for this podcast today. I hope this was an interesting discussion for you. You know, if you have also some thoughts that you want to share please, please go on to ladypartsdoctor.com, L-A-D-Y-P-A-R-T-S-D-O-C-T-O-R.com and leave some comments. You can also email me at drhack, D-R-H-A-C-K, at ladypartsdoctor.com with your commentary. And then don't forget to join the discussion. Also, you can join the discussion and follow my Instagram handle. I'm at ladypartsdoc, D-O-C, and um, Twitter, YouTube, it's all there. But if you want to really find how to get there, you can go to the website and it's probably easier that way. So until next time.